Jeff here for POD Insights, your source for print-on-demand resources, tips, and industry news. In this episode, we've got the June 2023 print-on-demand update, including some great updates from Printify and Gelato, as well as another vague update from Etsy and more questions from YouTube answered. So stick around and let's dive into the June 2023 print-on-demand update. POD Insights, the podcast. All right, let's start things off with Etsy news. There actually hasn't been any additional information posted by Etsy about their mention of international pricing settings from an update posted back in March. They have actually, though, posted another article about the updated listing creation workflow. I'll link to the article in the blog post for this episode, so be sure to check the episode description for a link or just head over to podinsights.net. The update was posted on June 6th, and again, it states that the listing workflow has been updated. That's not new. We knew that was coming for a couple of months now. But this time at the bottom of the post, they listed a few different things under the coming soon section than the first time. Instead of mentioning international pricing, they mentioned custom shipping profiles and the ability to preview shipping prices. Now, I'm guessing that custom shipping profiles is just a reference to something you could already do in the old listing creation workflow, and it just hadn't been implemented in the new workflow yet. In the old workflow, the shipping section allowed you to select an existing shipping profile or enter a custom shipping setting just for that one listing. In the new workflow, so far there has only been the option to add an existing shipping profile, so I believe the forthcoming update is just to add back that custom shipping information. I'm not exactly sure what the ability to preview shipping prices means. That one sounds more like a new feature we did not have before. It may just mean that the shipping prices from the profile you select will display in the workflow rather than requiring you to edit the profile in order to see your prices but we'll see what happens when that update is live. Only other thing I want to mention for this month is that if you missed the Etsy Up event back in May for Etsy sellers, check out a video of the sessions. There was some interesting conversation about Etsy SEO and details about best practices for both Etsy search and Google search. I'll link to that segment of the Etsy Up talks in the blog post for this episode. While there was nothing revolutionary that I heard in the discussion, there were some great reminders, and if you're newer to selling on Etsy or haven't taken the time to fully understand how Etsy search ranking works, I would suggest giving it a listen. Moving on to print provider news, we have a few updates to cover from Printify and Gelato. Printify has released a small but awesome update to their product mockups during the listing creation workflow. I actually just published a video on this. I will embed that in the blog post for this episode. When you're editing the design of a product and click on the preview to see the mockups, you can now add your own background to the flat mockups for apparel. It's actually not just for apparel. I also saw it on the listing for district photos mugs. However, it's not available for all products yet, but I can see it for the Bella Canvas 3001 and also mugs from District Photo, like I mentioned. For the flat mock-ups that usually just have a solid white background, you can now upload your own image and it will be placed behind the flat mock-up for each of the color options that you choose. 
It's about time somebody added this ability to make the default mockups more usable because before you used to have to download them, remove the backgrounds yourself, add your own background, and then upload them to your listing if you wanted to use them. This update from Printify will save you a lot of time if you were doing that. When you create the background file that you want to use, you can also add your own shop logo so that your mockups become branded mockups. Of course, I still recommend adding at least a couple of high quality mockups to your listings, especially ones that can be used as the primary thumbnail in search results so that they don't look exactly the same cookie cutter as everybody else's. But I'm still excited for this because it can help you with those color option mockups. And I also love that you can upload your own image instead of a pre-made one. So check that out if you haven't. A second update from Printify is that they're starting to offer custom package inserts for one print provider with plans to add additional ones. And they're going to be free until September. Starting now, you can add custom branded inserts on apparel orders from print provider Demona T in the United States, and they'll be free until September 1st. The next print providers to offer custom inserts will be Monster Digital and Swift POD. I'm excited for that because I use both of them. The inserts can be fully customized to offer a branded message, request for a product review, a coupon code, or anything you'd like to include for your customers. You can add your custom insert design by going to your store settings page in your Printify account, and then the branding section. That's a new section that wasn't there before. Once you go to that branding section, you can design the insert and enable it. One thing that I should point out is that I haven't found any mention of what the cost will be after the free period ends. So if you do enable them, be sure to set a reminder for yourself to check September 1st to see what the cost is. Printify might email us sometime between now and then as well, so keep your eyes open just in case they do. If the cost is too high to justify continuing with the inserts, you can disable them from the same page in your store settings. I'll link to the article Printify posted about this in the blog post for this episode with more details. All right, we also have a couple of updates from Gelato to cover this month. I've recently received several email updates from Gelato, and uh, most of them are small, but all of them have been positive things. Gelato's introduced some new discounts in several countries for apparel products recently, and they also introduced quantity discounts. Now, some of the emails I've received from them with pricing discounts have been temporary sales that they're running. However, they also introduced quantity discounts that are permanent. And their quantity discounts apply to all products except for stationery and business cards. Now, the best part about this is that it's available to all account tiers, including the free account. So you don't have to pay for a premium subscription to get quantity discounts on your orders. What's also great is that the quantity discounts start very low. All you need is two products of the same type within a single order and you'll get a 5% discount. If you have three products of the same type or more in the same order, you'll actually get a 10% discount. This means you can enjoy a higher profit margin on your orders when selling multiples of the same product. Now, if you did want to pass some of those savings along to your customers, you can offer a quantity-based coupon code in your store, or you could always reduce your shipping price for the additional item rate if you don't do free shipping. Of course, you can simply retain those savings as extra profit, and I wouldn't blame anyone for doing that because... Lately, the profit margins are getting pretty tight on lots of products with all of the price increases and shipping rate increases in the last year or so. So it's a very welcome enhancement from Gelato. 
And another positive update from Gelato to be aware of, starting May 30th, Gelato added automatic stock status updates for apparel to their integration with Etsy, Shopify, and WooCommerce. So if you use one of those sales channels with Gelato, they will now automatically update the stock status of apparel products, so you don't have to worry about keeping track of stock updates or dealing with orders for out-of-stock items. Now, there is one thing to be aware of here, though. Gelato has print providers all over the globe. They have over 30 print providers, and they actually regularly are adding more. So that adds a little layer of complication to the way that they need to update the stock status of the products in your store. So the way that they're addressing this is that you need to set your selling region that your stock status will be based in. So what they recommend is you want to base your stock status region on wherever you're getting the most sales because that is what's going to control the stock status for your listings that display everywhere. So for example, if you have a t-shirt listing with a shipping profile that's got multiple destinations, it's got 10 or more countries in it, and you've selected the United States as your stock status region, Gelato's going to update that one listing based on stock availability with U.S. print providers. But that product is still being offered for sale to customers in all those other countries. So that means a customer in another country could purchase a variant that's actually out of stock in their country, but it's still available in your listing because it's in stock in the U.S. Now, there's really no way around this because you can only select one stock status region in your Gelato account for them to use when updating your listings. So even if you created separate listings for different countries with dedicated shipping profiles, Gelato is still going to use the updates from the stock status based on what you've set as your, your selling region in your account. And that would apply to all of your listings, no matter what the shipping profile says. So that could be a little bit of a challenge for sellers who are active across multiple countries. But the good news is that because Gelato has so many print providers, the chance of a product being completely out of stock with all print providers is fairly low, except maybe during the high volume time during the fourth quarter. Otherwise, it's a positive update. I'm glad they're trying to automate things for us. It's just a little tricky if you really are active selling in a lot of different countries. Well, that's it for print provider news this month. Let's move on to a couple of questions from the YouTube channel. All right, this month we've got two questions to answer. One has a fairly simple answer and one has a not so simple answer. Let's start with the tough one. In my recent video about international selling options with Printify, I mentioned that one of the options helps to prevent your customers from paying VAT on the order when it's not necessary. But the question that I received on that video was, if you want to keep your Etsy listings simplified and not duplicate your listings for each country, what can you do about VAT for international customers? Well, unfortunately, there's not a clean and simple answer to this, as is usually the case with any question about taxes. When a customer in a country subject to VAT or value-added tax purchases a product that's being shipped from outside the country, they have to pay value-added tax. About 160 countries currently have a VAT system, many of which are in the European Union. Similarly, when you as the seller pay for the products to be produced in another country where you are not registered as a business with a resale exemption, you are also charged VAT. 
If you sell print-on-demand products in many countries, this often creates a double-tax scenario where both you and the customer are paying VAT on the same order. Now, we're focusing on the customer side of things with this question, but on your end, the only way to avoid being charged VAT is to be a registered business with the exemption in the country in question. Similar to how you need to file resale certificates in the United States in order to avoid paying sales tax for your order fulfillment. But now back to the customer. If you focus in on the reason why the customer is being charged VAT, it will lead you to the potential options that you have. The customer is being charged VAT because they're buying something that's being shipped from outside their country. At least, that's what Etsy thinks when they're making that purchase. The mechanism that tells Etsy where the product is being shipped from is the country of origin stated in your shipping profile. For example, if I use a print provider in the United States for my mugs, and my mug shipping profile lists the United States as the country of origin, but then I also sell mugs to customers in the UK through the same shipping profile, when a customer from the UK places an order, to Etsy, it looks like the customer in the UK is buying a mug that will be shipped from the United States. So this is going to trigger a VAT charge for the customer. This will happen even if you know that you're going to use a different print provider on this individual order and have it shipped from a domestic location to the customer. So in that example, the customer really should not have been required to pay VAT, but Etsy can only go by what's in your shipping profile. And unfortunately, you can only indicate one country of origin in your shipping profiles. You cannot have a different country of origin based on where the customer is located. Now, this might be something that's possible on other sales platforms. I personally don't know if you can do this on Shopify on your own website or something like that. But on Etsy, you can only have one country of origin for each shipping profile, and you can only have one shipping profile per listing. So what do you do? Well, unfortunately, the only way to prevent the customer from paying VAT when their order is going to be fulfilled domestically is to make sure your shipping profile has the country of origin that matches the customer. And the only way to do that for multiple countries is to create separate listings with different shipping profiles for each country. That may not be super time consuming if you only sell in say two countries, but if you sell in three or more countries, it would be very time consuming to duplicate all of your listings that many times. This can also create a bit of a confusing shop homepage as customers will see all of your listings on the shop homepage regardless of which country they're for. However, in search results, customers from each country will only see the listings that can be shipped to their country and they will not pay VAT on orders. I've used this method a few times in my shop. I don't do it for all listings, but if I have a product that starts to sell in other countries, I've created a duplicate listing with a different print provider and a separate shipping profile for that country. For example, I have a few mug listings in the UK set up this way, and I have verified that orders coming from those listings are not being charged VAT. It would be great if there was another way around this, but unfortunately with Etsy, there is not. The next question fortunately has a much simpler answer, but it's a good question nonetheless. Which color space should you use when saving your design print files? Should you use RGB or CMYK? Now it's generally known that printers use the CMYK color space, while by default our computer monitors are going to be displaying colors in the RGB space, unless of course you've customized your monitor settings. 
It's also the norm for graphic design and editing software like Photoshop to default to RGB when you're working with and exporting your files unless you change the color space to CMYK. But if our designs are being sent to a printer, shouldn't we be using CMYK? Fortunately, the major print-on-demand platforms make it simple for us. Printify advises to save your print files in the RGB color space because their platform will actually convert it to RGB if it's not. They do this for consistency so that all print providers know what to expect from Printify. They know that they're going to receive a file in the RGB color space, and then their printing systems can handle converting it to CMYK. Printful recommends using the sRGB color profile specifically, which is just one of the RGB color profiles in the RGB color space. Specifically, they recommend that because that is what their system is calibrated for. And this color profile is easy to select in programs like Photoshop or Affinity. When you're using the export as action in Photoshop, there's actually a little checkbox to convert the color space to sRGB. Gelato also recommends using the sRGB color profile for your print files. And lastly, Guten recommends creating your design in the CMYK profile and then converting it to RGB when you export the actual print file. I think that's actually the best advice that I could give, and it's what I do myself when I'm using Photoshop. Designing your actual design with CMYK as your color space will give you an idea of what colors will look like when they're actually printed. But then converting to sRGB when you export the file will make sure that it's in the right format for all of the major print-on-demand platforms since that's what they want you to submit. Now, if you use Kittle, their files are exported in the sRGB color profile, so you're good there. But unfortunately, there's currently not a feature built into Kittle to view your project in CMYK. I have seen that feature requested though, so hopefully that's something they can provide in the future. The bottom line is to make sure your print files are in the RGB color space, preferably the sRGB color profile. That's one of those basic things that there's a lot of confusion about, even though the answer is actually fairly simple. So I'm glad somebody asked because it's a great question. That's it for questions this month. Don't hesitate to ask a question on the YouTube channel if you have one. All right, let's touch on seasonal niches and trends before we wrap things up for June. Aside from Mother's Day and Father's Day, this can be a little bit of a slower time of year for sales unless you have a large catalog of evergreen listings that sell consistently. But before you know it, we'll be heading into that time of year when sales really pick up. Take the time over the next couple of months to plan out when you need to have designs ready. Let's take a moment this month to consider planning your design process out as well as the right time to publish. One of my favorite ways to prepare is to use Google Trends. You can use Google Trends to look at the search trend for specific phrases over a long period of time, like the last five years. Now, normally, we don't want to look back that far because old data like that doesn't tell us if a particular design you know, niche is going to be popular right now. But when it comes to seasonal niches that occur around the same time every year, this can be helpful. For example, if you enter a phrase like back to school shirt or Halloween shirt, you'll find a history of the annual trend for when that search volume increases each year. What you're looking for is that time period each year when the search volume starts to increase, not the actual peak, but when it begins to increase. Your strategy should be to have listings for each of those events published around the time that volume is increasing, not at the peak. 
listings need a little bit of time to be found and make some sales, unless you're pushing them a lot yourself with paid advertising. So for example, if you publish your back-to-school listings at the peak of back-to-school shopping, you'll likely miss out on some sales because there'll already be lots of back-to-school listings dominating the search results. Using Google Trends to find when the general searching for that event starts to pick up lets you back up from that time and plan when you should be working on those designs. So for example, in the United States, the trend from the last several years indicates that search volume for back-to-school shirt starts to increase in volume between July 5th and July 10th, which is pretty close to when I'm recording this actually, only a couple weeks away. And then the volume will peak between July 31st and August 10th. So ideally, you would want your back-to-school designs published before July 15th in order to have some time to get noticed before that peak of shopping. And it also gives yourself a little time to promote them organically in social media. So the point of me sharing that, if you haven't guessed, is that even though it's only mid-June, it's time to be thinking about back-to-school designs. If you spend the next couple of weeks working on those listings, you should be in good shape to have them out there right around the time when search volume picks up. Of course, you can always work on designs any time of year that you'd like to if the inspiration strikes, but it may not always be a good idea to publish them immediately. Why not just publish them anytime you're working on them? Well, because Etsy gives new listings a slight bump in search rankings, but it's very brief. They give you that little bump to see if shoppers are gonna prefer your new listing to the ones that have already been selling. Basically, is your product better than what's already there? But during that brief period, if your listing is not getting clicks, likes, and sales, you will quickly fall down in the search rankings. And then it is very hard to climb back up from that point because Etsy sort of has the idea from the algorithm that your product is not as good as the ones that have been selling. Now, this is not a huge deal for evergreen designs that could sell at any time of year because if their expected sales volume is kind of relatively minimal, just one here, one there, you're probably not gonna get any gigantic bump in sales just from that uh, new listing effect. But with other designs based on highly seasonal niches or events that only happen once per year, I mean, they spend most of the year not selling. So you really wanna get that bump at the best time possible. Because if you publish that listing too early or too late, you're really wasting that one-time boost in the search rankings by publishing at the wrong time. For example, if you spent time creating a bunch of back-to-school listings in March, you'd be better off keeping them as drafts and then publishing them in early July so they have a better chance of taking advantage of that bump. Now, if you just went ahead and published them back in March when back-to-school designs generally are not selling at all, your listings are gonna be way back in the search rankings by the time back-to-school actually picks up. So I hope that makes sense. It doesn't mean you can't work on your designs any time of year. I just would recommend holding them and not publishing them if it's not the right time for a really seasonal type of niche. All right, that'll wrap it up for the June print on demand update. I hope you found some helpful information in this monthly update. Don't forget to check the description of this episode for a link to the blog post where you will find links to a bunch of the resources and articles and updates that I mentioned. Of course, visit me on the POD Insights YouTube channel for video guides, selling tips, and product reviews. And a quick reminder, go ahead and submit a question on any of the YouTube videos if you have a question so that I can consider it for an upcoming podcast episode. Thanks for listening.